0: just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm fine. I've had a really bad week. (laughs) Oh, God, guys. On Sunday, I threw my back out, which according to this chiropractor, I saw is because I pinched a nerve and now I have sciatica. And it's like, Going in and out, and sometimes it doesn't hurt, and sometimes it does. And this chiropractor I saw wanted me to come back. Oh, you know, a cool thirty-six times. <laughs> I swear to God, he told him told me he wanted me to come three times a week for the next six to eight weeks. <laughs> oh my God! I also have to get a thousand dollars worth of dental work done, <laughs> guys. I'm f- truly falling apart. Thankfully, I am going to see a different person about my back, and it's not too too bad, but it's like hurting a little bit right now, which isn't great. I think it's just the way that I'm sitting, um, but yeah, I've had like a shitty week. I had a mental breakdown on Tuesday night for the first time in quite a while, and that sucked. But things will be okay. I'll figure it out. I also last week did something so fucking out of character for me in which I thought an engagement party for my friend was on Sunday, but it was actually Saturday night and I missed the party and I have truly never done something like that in my entire life. I'm... Like an obsessive planner, which is part of why I like flipped out about my back and my teeth um, because I didn't plan this. I'm an obsessive planner. Uh, I am like extremely punctual. I'm basically n- never late to things. And so for me to miss a party is like <laughs> so unheard of. Like I texted my best friend to tell her what I did, and she was legitimately concerned like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? are you, what's wrong, like, legit, like, is something wrong, so, yeah, I've just had, like, a weird, weird, weird fucking week, um, and that sucks, (laughs) I haven't done yoga in, like, a week and a half, because my back's been bothering me so much, I don't know, I might try and go tomorrow, but I'm scared it's gonna hurt it worse, it's just, everything's a mess, guys, everything is a mess, anyway, Thank you to everyone who bought a tie-dye for me. I'm going to have a couple more to post eventually. So just look on my Instagram stories, feathers underscore pod. Uh, I'll probably be posting them in like the next. I might do some on Sunday. Tie-dye season's almost over, but my mom really wanted me to do a specific one for her. So I think I'm going to do that Sunday. I have a couple that I want to like re-dye and add dye to. So I have to do that. Um, but anyway, thank, I really liked doing the Q&A episode last week. That was really good. Oh, by the way, guys, if you're not following Caroline Calloway, who I talked about um, in a bonus episode at the beginning of summer and is the whole reason that I started tie-dyeing, uh, the drama is really hot right now. So find me on Twitter, which is Ben underscore Lee, L-E-Y, B-E-N-T underscore L-E-Y, should really change my Twitter handle handle to Bentley Liz One, shouldn't I? Oh, so much easier. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Maybe I'll take the plunge tonight <laughs> and change my Twitter handle so that people can actually fucking find me on there. But I've posted a lot about her. Uh, feel free to get in my DMs if you have questions about her. But her drama is at like peak peak greatness right now. And so I would highly suggest you check her out. Her name is Caroline Calloway. Uh, Just Google Caroline Calloway scam if you want a little background on on her. So I love doing the Q&A episode last week. Somebody pointed out that I haven't talked about like the Lauren and Javi cheating stuff on here because I've had such a weird schedule and I couldn't believe it, but I'm pretty sure they're right. So I guess just Quickly, if you're not following me on Instagram, you don't keep up with Team mom News anywhere else. Um, Lauren caught Javi cheating on her in their home. Like, they had a party for his CrossFit gym, I guess. And she went to bed and came back downstairs eventually. And caught Javi and someone that goes to their gym naked together. <laughs> uh, basically, the press found out because this resulted in Javi and his... I guess Lauren, like, flipped the fuck out. His sister came over to get the baby or calm people down. And then Lauren, or then the sister refused to leave. So, Javi called the police to get the sister to leave. And we, uh, obviously the press got a hold of this 911 call. Although I'm always curious, like, if Ra- I wonder if Raider online just, like, every week. Maybe, like, on Tuesdays of each week, they just, like... In the town that all of the T-MOM people live in, they just, like, call the station and ask if there have been any police reports at these people's addresses or under their names. I've always wondered that. But the police report came out. um, Then the information comes out. Lauren left, but now she's back. It's, I feel really bad for Lauren. Like I would feel bad for anybody in that situation. I can't imagine having, you know, a nine month old baby and catching my I guess or engaged, my fiance, like fucking in my house. Like that's it's like next level betrayal. But at the same time it's like, well, you got with Javi. (laughs) Third choice Lauren. I have a girl willing to move to Dover right now. It's like, well, what did you expect, you know? Like, what did you really expect? So yeah, that's Lauren and Javi drama, but apparently she has moved back home and they are back together, which I don't know. I don't, I understand why. I think she probably feels like she has all of her eggs in the hobby basket and can't, do anything else. And also, I'm pretty sure she will be stuck in Delaware because Delaware is an automatic 50 50 state. And she can't, well, she could just leave with Eli, and then Hobby could immediately file for visitation and she could be f- like in uh, shared custody and she could be forced to bring the baby back to Delaware. So I think she feels probably kind of stuck. And if she's going to be stuck in Delaware, then she may as well be with her rich fiance. Like, I, I get it. I, I get what she's doing getting back with him, but I think it's stupid. Anyway, what's the drums this week? Oh, the drums this week is Andrew and Amber. <sighs> oh, we're going to talk about that. By the way, I figure I guess I'll... Okay, so I took notes on the last episode of The Reunion Um, apparently the reunion is only two parts this year, which like, thank God. Honestly, I don't know why they even do it in two parts. It should only been done in one part. Um, did everybody notice that they called Mackenzie McKee the guest mom? (laughs) They are so fucking rude to Mackenzie McKee. (laughs) I don't know why MTV being rude to Mackenzie makes me laugh as hard as it does every week. But here we are (laughs) laughing at poor Mackenzie McKee. Um, So I guess I'll talk about that. Um, I'll quickly talk about what Caitlin and Tyler did with Carly in the finale, because I know people wanted to hear my thoughts on that. But yeah, so this week, as we will recap, I guess, um, Amber and Amber had her little interview on the reunion show, and of course, people some people like support her, of course, and a lot of people call it bullshit. Andrew started posting some stuff on social media, and Amber like flipped the fuck out. She went crazy on Instagram today. Now, I personally think that Amber violated her no contact order because at one point she was like directly speaking into the camera. She was directly, um, like, saying, well, the whole time she was directly speaking into the camera. Sorry, that's not what I meant. But she was saying, like, I've protected you for too long. And I'm going to, like, she was starting to expose them. And it was like, but when I say you, I mean you guys watching. Because she, like, realized what she was saying. Um, This was all in response to Andrew giving an interview with, this woman whose name I think is Katie and she runs this site called, or not like a YouTube channel called Without a Crystal Ball. And she talks about a lot of pop culture stuff, but Teen Mom as well. I guess I really haven't watched her before, but I did watch this. Uh, Andrew gave a lengthy interview to her and then she like recapped the interview, which I kind of thought was, I don't know, it's kind of like a weird it's a weird way to present an interview, right? Like, it's weird to not either have him record or, like, have, like, write an article and use direct quotes. Like, she did write an article, but there weren't direct quotes used. So, it's just, it's all very weird. But, she has been talking to Andrew all week. She released this video, and Amber flipped out about it. She, she also flipped out that Andrew said that Amber, like, missed the visitation that she had with James to record uh, with Dr. Drew. And Amber basically threatened to expose Andrew, says that he's the abuser, says that she's a good mom. Just all the same shit that she always says. Um, Here are my thoughts before I get into what I, like, what exactly Andrew said, because I found it all very believable, incredible what he's saying. Um, I think that, I think that Andrew has every right to tell his story. I think that Andrew has every right to speak out about the abuse that he faced. Where I'm having trouble is that he's sharing stuff about James And I think that that's not fair to James. I think that James deserves privacy. And I understand that James is only one, but the internet is forever, as we all know. And I'm having a hard time with him sharing uh, very personal details about things that Amber allegedly said and did to James and I just think that's not fair. It's one thing to talk about your own abuse. It's another thing to expose the abuse of a child that isn't consenting to being in the public eye at all. And I know we can't talk about the ethics of teen mom or else we'll be here forever and we'll have to stop watching this show. But for me, this is a pretty easy one. Um, I just want to read one, like, Andrew keeps relying to co- replying to comments and If I look at this from a generous point of view, I can understand what he's doing. Um, I would imagine it's kind of wild to be in a position where you have been abused and then your abuser gets to go on national television and call you a liar and call you the abuser and she can use her platform uh, of millions of followers, and then those followers come onto your page and leave comments. Like, I can imagine that that's, like, a real mind fuck. But I think what's, go- like, the issue is that Andrew is looking for validation from Amber's supporters, and he's never going to get that ever, ever, ever. And no matter what he says, like he's never gonna change anybody's mind. Because if people can't believe that Andrew or that Amber did the things that Andrew says that she did, even though we've seen her on TV be incredibly abusive all season long, she literally told the psychiatrist, like, I am a ticking time bob, I'm about to explode. Um, she talked last season that she was actively suicidal and one night had a complete plan to kill herself. Um, if you can't believe that she would do these things, then you're never going to believe that any anything Andrew says. Like, you're just not. It just means that you do not believe Amber is abusive, even though we've seen her be abusive on TV. So... Andrew needs to stop trying to convince those people. What Andrew needs to do is delete all his social media and go to therapy and learn that he does not need validation from the public and he does not need to be sharing his life with the public. And Andrew's actually not really a public figure, you know? He's been on two seasons of a Z-list reality show. And if he deletes all of his social media and just kind of handles this case and doesn't engage with the show anymore or engage with it on social media, like we're all kind of going to forget about Andrew pretty quickly. I mean, when's the last time we even, you know, we don't even talk about Matt anymore. Uh, And he was like a pretty major part of the show and had articles written about him all the time and he was able to drop off quickly. So somebody said to Andrew, poor Amber, I knew you were setting her up from the very beginning, which of course is, you know, the story that Amber is trying to spin now. And Andrew's response to that was, if anyone was set up, it was James. He never stood a chance at having a mother. His birth was a burden and a source of misery from the start. This is in quotes. I never wanted another baby. I'm 29 years old and should be out having fun. This isn't the life I wanted to live. You've ruined everything. You've ruined my life. Daily. This little man is a source of all my joy in life. It used to be split evenly, but I cannot control other people's actions or emotions. I have no control over that decision. My family was broken without my say-so. So just, like, sharing at all that, you know, a child's mother uh, would say that, like, it's just shitty. It's just really, it's just shitty. James doesn't ever need to know that. Um, and then there's another post, a comment today, I believe, and Andrew says, She asked an honest question, and I have an honest answer. Problem, I like how you, I don't even know what the context of this is, because I just saw it on Reddit, and I just, like, I don't know, I didn't venture to his page. Okay, problem, I like how you downplay her mental illness just like she does. You gonna need it as a crutch anytime soon? You do what's best for you, I'll do what's best for my son, protecting him from her onslaught of media attacks and physical attacks. And being shoved over flat on his back on a tile floor for opening cabinets or being thrown on the bed crying for crying. You focus on you. Yikes. So Andrew is now accusing Amber of physically abusing James, which, I mean, yeah, I personally believe that if you will hit your partner, you will hit your kids all day, every day. If you are willing to hit other people, why would your children be off limits? Especially if you haven't bonded with them. Like we know Amber hasn't with James and she doesn't spend any time with them. So here's something else that Andrew posted. (sighs) Sorry, guys. I'm just like reading stuff. Okay. Okay. Sorry the truth I lived was nasty. Sorry the truth I lived was nasty. Want me to bat- bottle my emotions and let horrible stuff fly about my son and I while the abuser is still abusing me be- only via social media and national television instead of fists and curse words? I'm not talking about the side of the story of what happened in July. I'm talking about the landslide of abuse that I had to endure the past the entire the past entire year. It changed me. She broke me down psychologically. I became more silent. I hesitated before speaking. What she did literally altered my speech pattern. I needed to be prescribed medication for anxiety, which I've never had in my life. No, I'm not going to be silent until your dust settles. I've been silent for too long. The abuse has gone on for far too long. It still goes on still. Sorry, the truth is nasty. It was. No apology ever for anything. I was conditioned to feel useless and everything I said was wrong. I'd have anxiety pulling up to the house and right before going to sleep when she would lock herself in her closet until 6 a.m. smoking weed, listening to music and taking hydrocodone, which is an opiate. Every day I was ripped every day I was ripped into emotionally, but I kept going for James. I kept going Having blind faith that she would change, that it was just a dark patch, but it kept getting darker and darker and darker. And I made cries to help to her doctor, her brother, her family, MTV, and it landed on sympathetic but deaf ears. I'm the only person who truly cared for this woman, wholly, entirely, and I got hurt for it. I got hurt bad. I never claimed to be perfect, but I did my absolute best for her and James. And now my family is... And then it cut off. I didn't... I don't know what the rest of it said. <laughs> but... So, yeah, Andrew is claiming that Amber is physically abusive to James and that also she is actively abusing not only weed, but opiates, again. So, those are pretty, pretty, pretty serious allegations and accusations, and Amber is really pissed about them. You should definitely go on Reddit and find the lives that she did. They're still up, and she's just crazy in them. Like, Remember when I used to say that I was worried that Amber would kill herself on Instagram Live back when she was doing those rants about Matt? Like that's how I feel now. Like she it's just it's just so it's so unwell watching her rant and rant and rant. Um, Andrew also told that without a crystal ball lady, that the first time Amber hit him was a specific date August 7th 2018 so James would have been like two months old three months old and he uh was in the car with Amber and they were going to be late to Leah's school they had just gotten off a of red eye from California and um uh Amber was really mad that they were going to be late so she was trying to tell Andrew to like drive around other cars and he's like no that'd be dangerous." Like. It'd be dangerous for us, for us, for us if we did that. And she got enraged and said, are you saying that I'm trying to put the baby in danger because the baby was in the car? And then she punched him in the face while he was driving. Apparently, and I think this is a very interesting point and interesting that he kind of included this. Uh, they got to school and uh, Gary noticed that he had something on his face and that's when he noticed that he had been bleeding. And right away, Amber was like, Oh, you you must have a nosebleed because it's so dry around here. So basically he put Gary in the position of being a witness. I find that interesting and compelling. Apparently also they were mic'd up for MTV when this happened. And Amber flipped out and was saying like you later to Andrew because they were scared that MTV was going to use this footage Um, you ruined my career, you got me fired, because I guess she was scared of the repercussions of what would happen, and MTV, I guess Amber talked to a producer, and the producer basically was like, you don't have to worry about it, it's on the cutting room floor. Now, I read some people on Reddit saying, like, they don't believe that, there's no way MTV wouldn't show it, but I think it's very possible that MTV wouldn't show it, um, I think that we need to remember that just because we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, you know, Janelle pulling a gun out with Jason in the car, it doesn't mean that there's a lot of crazy stuff that we haven't seen. I also think that um, this happened, okay, so if this was in August 2018, right, David got fired in like January, February 2018. I believe the gun-pulling incident was, like, in May 2018. Um, This is, like, at the height of the Janelle-David stuff with the dog killing happening, like, eight months later. But, like, kind of at the height of people really being enraged about David being an abuser. And Janelle and Janelle being allowed on the show. And I believe this was even when... Around when the gun episode probably aired. Because I remember that being in like late summer, fall of last year. So this is probably around then. And I don't think MTV still. That was so weird how I just the MTV. I don't think that MTV still wants the narrative that Amber is an abuser. Uh, I think that's very obvious from the Dr. Drew episode. Um, I think that they don't want to deal with. With the repercussions of Amber being abuser, I think that they do not want to uh, air footage of Amber hitting Andrew with the baby in the car. Uh, we saw how that went for them last time and their show got canceled. Although, you know, this whole reunion, they're trying to say it's I even saw MTV post the day That's been 10 seasons for Team Emoji. It's like, uh, no, you're on fucking season eight. <laughs> you're calling this season eight it's been the show premiered 10 years ago but you took a three fucking year hiatus like did we all forget about this crazy it's like when a couple breaks up and they're like we've been together for six years and it's like okay but like you were broken up for a full year (laughs) so you haven't been together for six years (sighs) anyway um but yeah so (sighs) the issue is is that like I just don't think that they want to deal with this, like, Amber is an abuser storyline. And I think it was much easier for them to just not include that, especially because uh, Amber was kind of getting... Remember last season we talked about this, like, Amber kind of had her best season ever, which is why we were, like, really confused when she... I'm saying we, but I mean me. Why I was really confused when she, like, flipped out at the reunion and wanted to quit it didn't make a lot of sense because, in my opinion, she had, like, the best edited season she had ever had and came across really well. And I think that MTV is very interested in Amber having a redemption story, like, very interested in it. And I can see them not including footage of Amber abusing Andrew. Um, On her Instagram Live, uh, Amber did accuse Andrew of abusing her. She said, look up the restraining orders. It's exactly, that was exactly what happened to me, although it seems like his retraining orders had more to do with, like, stalking and harassing post-breakup, so I'm not really sure how that correlates to them, like, being being abused in a relationship, but, like, I mean, I could believe that abuse went both ways. Like, I've always said that Andrew is shady and has a shady history. I also actively believe that Andrew was, like, recklessly spending her money, as I've said on the record on this podcast. Like, when they started talking about day trading, I was like, well, I guess Andrew's spending all her money day trading. Um, when they, when Andrew just, like, hasn't had a job for the last two years. It's like, well, it's clear that Andrew is living off of Amber. Like I can believe that to be true. Oh, there's one more bit I need to talk about. Um, But I can believe that to be true that Andrew was like taking money from her or Andrew was totally bumming off of her and living off of her. But my thing is, is that I don't think Amber cares about money. I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. But I have this theory that Amber, when you get into a relationship with Amber, and when you get into a relationship with Amber, you move in with her, like immediately, because Amber needs that. Um, I think that Amber has a complete inability or desire to manage the day to day of her life, and I think what she does is she moves these guys in. It was Andrew before her, before him, it was Matt. She moves these guys in and basically gives them full access to all of her accounts. Probably puts their name on her accounts and then expects them to, like, completely manage her life. Like, I remember I used to say, like, I bet uh, Andrew or I bet Matt is the one that, like, picks up her pills. I bet Matt is the one that, like, takes her to her doctor's appointments because even though he's, like, an awful, terrible boyfriend, he seems to be the one that's, like, totally managing her. And I think the same was true for Andrew. And I think that's, like, expected. Like, I think Amber's, like, I need you to make sure all my bills get paid. I need you to make sure the dogs get fed. I need you to make sure the dogs see the vet. Once the baby came, like, I'm sure was like, I need you to make sure that James goes to the doctor. Like, I really believe that Amber, like, gives these guys full access to her accounts. And then I don't think she gives a fuck how they spend her money. Like, I just don't think that she cares. Like, oh, you want to take $50,000 for day trading? Like, I don't give a fuck. I think Amber is a very impulsive person who does not care at all about saving for the future or doing anything, you know, for retirement. I think she has always, since she was a teen, made very easy money and made a lot of easy money. And I think that she assumes, because she is so famous in her own eyes, that, That she will always make easy money and that this will be happening for the rest of her life. And so I think, like, she has no idea how much these guys take and she doesn't give a fuck and she tells them, take whatever you want. And then it's not until they break up for whatever reason that she turns around and she's like, well, where's the money? And that doesn't make like what Andrew or what Matt did right, because I think they are taking advantage of that. And I think that they know that she's like that and that it's morally wrong to like take somebody up on that. You know what I mean? Because you know, sometimes like people will offer you things, but you cannot accept them because it's immoral to accept them, even though they're offering them to you. It's just like, it's just not it's just not right because you understand they're not offering it from like a, a healthy place. I think that it's wrong for say Andrew or Matt to take the money, but I think that Amber lets them do it and is okay with it until she's not. And it doesn't matter what what Andrew took from her. It doesn't excuse um her attacking him. And of course I believe that he was hitting she was hitting him. For a long time. As I said at the very beginning of the season on this podcast, that he was like, that you could tell that he was, she was hitting him because of the way that he acted in these scenes. Um, One other thing. So he talked to Without a Crystal Ball about the supposed cheating that Amber brings up in the Dr. Drew interview and is brought up in other places. And basically, he had. This girl had messaged him on Instagram and was like, I'm in a similar position. I just got out of a relationship with someone with mental health issues. They started texting. The late, we see these text screenshots and essentially the lady is like, I should come to Indiana. And he's like, haha, yeah, you can help me with my banking because apparently she's a banker. And she was like, yeah, I'm good at banking. And like, that's literally it, at least in the screenshots provided. Like, it's pretty clearly like a joke not serious. Um, And then shortly after that, the article sold to Radar, Andrew confronts her and is like, "Uh, did you just sell the story to Radar? And then basically, I guess Amber's manager confirms to him that this lady is the one who sold it. And Andrew feels like if she was able to talk, Andrew feels like this lady um, was kind of like Amber had this lady contact him to see if he would take the bait. I personally think that it's more likely that this lady reached out to Andrew and they were texting and then she reached out to Amber and Amber was like, yes, yes, yes call me. Here's my phone number. Like, let's talk about this. And you know what you should do? You should call you should call radar and tell them because I have a no contact order and I'm not allowed to. But if the screenshots are to believe, like, it is an innocent conversation. And also, like, Andrew's allowed to fuck other girls. Like, they're broken up. (laughs) Ugh. I don't know. I person, what I would like to see happen here, as I said, for Andrew to delete all social media, but I would really like to see Amber violated for the no contact order. Um, every no contact order I've seen in Pennsylvania includes no third party contact, which can include social media posts, and even though she didn't tag him, like, she literally says in this, you. I'm not talking to Andrew specifically. I'm talking to you guys. Like, if you have to clarify, if you are speaking so directly to someone that you're not supposed to be speaking to, and then you clarify, like, oh, no, 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 I don't mean him. I mean, I'm just, like, talking to everybody who's watching this live. That seems like a violation of a no-contact order. My understanding has always been, like, if I have a no-contact order against Jim, Jim isn't allowed to get on Facebook and be like, Liz Bentley's a fucking bitch. Fuck her. Because that's a third-party violation of the uh, no-contact order. And I don't see how her getting on Instagram Live and threatening to expose him, uh, ruin his family's name, That's She was like, I haven't told about him because I, I've protected his family name and I'm ready. I don't give a fuck about that anymore. I'm going to tell everything. Apparently she has video evidence of him cheating, which like, once again, who cares? Like, I don't care if she was, if he was cheating on her. Like, I don't care. Um, Amber, Andrew apparently also has pictures of the door with machete marks in it and the broken door handle but he, I guess, is not releasing them because you know the ongoing investigation apparently isn't fixed the door yet. As a reminder, which like I don't know, uh, and I guess he has more. He gave Crystal, not her name's not Crystal, it's Katie, but he gave without a crystal ball a ton of info. So keep watching for that. I'm interested to see. I think that Andrew is definitely. He is looking for validation in a way that's really unhealthy and not productive and isn't going to convince anybody. But, like, the drama lover in me is pretty thrilled that he's doing it because, I mean, it's, I I also think, like, he's goading Amber a little bit. I wonder, part of me wonders if he's, like, maybe trying to goad her into breaking the no-contact order so that he can violate her, um, I know that's, like, nefarious, but, you know, I just, just part of me, just part of me wonders. Okay, let's talk about the actual show right after a quick break. Okay, so first things first, I wanted to talk about the Mackenzie, Telling Gannon that Angie was going to die conversation. That made me so fucking sad. Um, When Gannon says to her, but what if she can't be fixed? As in like, what if Angie can't be fixed? Uh, It literally looked like like Mackenzie did this flinch, like someone had punched her square in the nose. Like, oh, it made me so sad. The fact that she was able to not cry during that was like, really incredible. Gannon was so cute and sweet, but I just felt really sad for Mackenzie that, I don't mean to laugh, that she, like, is married to Josh. (laughs) Like, it's just, Josh is just awful. Like, imagine telling your kids that their grandma who they love is going to die and, like, Josh is sitting across from you. Like, that's a true nightmare. Um, I mean, I imagine that was, like, sometime in June or July that that was filmed. It must have been, like, June, right? And Angie was given six months to live at that point. Ugh, that's so awful. I feel very sad for her, and I feel very sad for Mackenzie and Gannon. They're just their whole family. Um, I – so, yeah, that's it for Mackenzie for the reunion. The only other – or, excuse me, the finale. The only other people I wanted to talk about in the finale was – Caitlin and Tyler and them being late to meet with Carly. So I will say that I did find it interesting that Caitlin and Tyler and Carly had a whole visit the first day that just nobody like talked about. online. (laughs) I assume that this visit at the zoo was like the only visit they had with her. Um, And I thought it was like kind of crazy for them to be late for the only single visit they had with her. But, you know, that's not the internet isn't forgiving. <laughs> um, Of course, it was fucked up that they were late, right? Of course, especially their reactions to it after the fact, like, on Twitter, they're like, Oh, so I'm such a bad person for being late. And it's like, people aren't really saying you're a bad person for being late they're just like questioning why you talk so 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 much about carly and then you have like such a rare opportunity to spend time with her and then you don't like you're not like early for the visit as a punctual person as i explained earlier in the episode it's actually like unfathomable to me that they would do that um I'm the type of person that, like, needs to be extremely on time for everything. And I would have, I know myself, and I would have been early for that visit. So that just didn't make, like, a lot of sense to me. Um, I will say, though, that to me, ke had a weird energy in the kitchen finishing that scrapbook. Um, She had a weird look on her face. There was, like, a weird vibe. And I'm wondering if she had that visit that first day and then maybe had a really bad night and was planning on finishing the scrapbook that night and was kind of physically and emotionally unable to and then was feeling shitty about that and then got in her head about that and then became obsessed with finishing the scrapbook and then it kind of became an irrational expectation she set for herself and she picked that over being on time. Um, I definitely think that that is a possibility, you know? Um, I will say, like, I I bet the internet... The internet's always more mad about Kaylin and Tyler and their reactions and treatments of Carly than Brandon and Teresa seem to be. <laughs> you know, like, the internet always seems more upset about it than anybody in real life is. But I will say, like, of course it was irresponsible. It was fucked up. It kind of goes back to this shit where... They talk, 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 talk about how much they love and want to be, have a relationship with Carly and want to be in her life. And then it comes out that they haven't sent her birthday or Christmas cards in three years or whatever they said um, on the show. And that's when you're like, huh? Especially when you hear Kim on the reunion says that she sends a gift to Carly every single birthday and Christmas. Um, So it's like, so Kim is making the effort to send a gift twice a year and Caitlyn and Tyler aren't. Um, I just, I thought that was, I it just, it Caitlyn and Tyler's behavior obviously did not flow. It did not jive with the things that they talk. And I think that that is true for a lot of the stuff they do. Um, to me though, like there was a weird energy that was being emitted in that scene. And I think that, um, I've always kind of thought this, that Caitlyn hates visiting with Carly and kind of hates anything to do with Carly and hates herself for feeling that way and does some irresponsible stuff in regards to the visits. Um, and after the visits gets real fucked up and doesn't feel good. Um, I think that it was probably not a good idea for her to have, um, a visit two days in a row. I think maybe they should have only done a one-day visit. I think that maybe it was too much for Kate the next day. And so she got this, like, my guess would be that she was planning on finishing the scrapbook the night before the zoo and was real fucked up from that visit and wasn't willing to say that. I think there's a lot that Kate hates herself about in regards to Carly. And I have to wonder if part of that is seeing Carly often. Not often, because I don't see her often, but seeing Carly at all and talking about Carly. Um, I wonder if that kind of, like, I can't imagine the guilt I would feel in regards to adoption. And then if I, you know, they're in this situation where they have to talk, 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 talk about Carly. They have to see Carly on camera. Like, all of this shit. And I would imagine that that's, like, very difficult and I wonder if a part of Kate wants to just pull off the band-aid and like totally move on with her life and not have anything to do with Carly and then she hates herself for feeling that way and I think that builds up into this weird behavior around her which involves the not sending gifts and cards which involves being late for the visits um and then like that weird hyper defensive mode that they go into uh after the fact. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts and feelings on Kate and Tyler being, you know, an hour late or whatever they were to their visit. It was fucked up, obviously. Okay, so part one of the reunion I didn't take notes on, and it's kind of incredible how much I did not retain. <laughs> um, I thought it was nice that Brandon and Teresa came out. I, I don't know. I, I just I what I really liked and found interesting was Teresa saying like, well, they called us and said that they had a baby. Oh, and that the birth parents agreed to be on the show for MTV, which kind of confirmed what I always thought, which they were desperate for a baby and were not going to say no to a situation that involved them getting a baby and that they weren't thrilled about being on MTV, but they agreed to it for Caitlin and Tyler's sake and it's kind of snowballed into this crazy thing. Um, I can't imagine what it would ever feel like to... (laughs) Have your child be the, one of the main characters on a TV show that you did not consent to being on. (laughs) That would be wild. But I thought it was really nice for Brandon and Teresa to come. Um, I thought Kate, her outfit, look, was her outfit kind of crazy? Like, sure. Of course it was. Um, But I thought she actually looked pretty good. I think, as I've said all season, that Kate has had probably her best season in years at least that's what it's felt like that she's had her best season in years and I think she seems to be doing a lot better um Corey and Cheyenne okay I guess this was on the second episode I don't remember anything from the first episode (laughs) oh yes I do when Corey said that Cheyenne needs to tell him directly that Cheyenne like needs him in the hospital okay um I thought that the Taylor, Macy, and Dr. Drew sit-down was pretty interesting. I actually had a lot of respect for Taylor in this scene. Dr. Drew really kept pushing about the restraining order being lifted. Dr. Drew's, like, always had a hard-on for Ryan. If you go back and rewatch, I believe, the season one reunion, if not the season two reunion, but I really think it's the season one reunion, which I have not watched since it was on TV, but has left such an impression on me. I remember being shocked when this aired because Ryan and Macy had broken up. They had tried counseling. Do you remember that when they like went to counseling? I don't know if Macy went by herself or if they both went, but there were counseling segments, I believe. But they were broken up and in the first, it must've been the first season. In the first season reunion, Dr. Drew basically um, pressures Macy into taking Ryan back and is trying to convince Macy to be with Ryan and that they should be together. And I remember this is like me, you know, like I obviously knew about Dr. Drew. I used to listen to Love Line when I was a little kid. I'd watch Celeb Rehab. Was Celeb Rehab on by that point? Yeah, it must have been. Celeb Rehab predated MTV. I mean, not MTV, uh, Teen Mom, right? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I was very familiar with Dr. Drew at this point. And I remember being like, What? <laughs> Like, shook at him suggesting that Macy take Ryan back because Ryan was so awful to her. And I remember being like, wait, why is Dr. Drew telling Macy to take her abusive boyfriend back? <laughs> like, what? what is going on? And just being so confused. And um, I think Dr. Drew really has always had a soft spot for Ryan. And I think has always thought that Macy is too tough on Ryan, which is bizarre to say the least, Um, but he's, like, really pushing Macy to drop the restraining order, and I really liked the way Taylor handled it. I thought that Taylor shut down Dr. Drew in a really masterful way. He just was like, "Mm, no, I think the restraining order is working for us right now, (laughs) and, like, Dr. Drew pushing, and Taylor's like, no, like, I think what we're doing is working really well. And I was like, damn, Taylor, good for you. I just, I definitely appreciated that. Um, Ryan, you know, talked about how he had told himself that he would never use needles. And once he did, um, like there was no going back. He talked a lot about how he feels like until he can settle things with Macy, he can't be a good dad and a dad with Bentley. And I do think that there is a... I think I agree that if Ryan has to see Bentley in Jen and Larry's house all of the time, then he's never going to have a true father-son relationship with Bentley. But I think that Bentley's safety trumps um the need for Bentley and Ryan to have a true father-son relationship and also like I'm a little confused on what the terms of Ryan taking Bentley on his own are because in the next episode, Macy says, like, well, he's allowed to take Bentley. He just has to pass a drug test. And they, like, fly right over that because Dr. Drew never asks a fucking important question ever, 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 ever. It drives me fucking insane. <laughs> he never asks the correct follow-up questions ever. Um But basically... Dr. Drew, oh, basically, like, I, like, so, sorry, I'm a little confused. It's, like, way, why the restraining order prevents Bentley from going on his own with Macy because Bentley was not included, or excuse me, with Ryan because Bentley was not included in the restraining order. Um, I I need a refresher there, I guess, but, yeah, of course, like, I think that if, Bentley, or if Ryan has to, like, um, default to Jen for all things Bentley, like, then, yeah, of course that he's never going to be, like, the true father figure of Bentley. But also, like, sorry, that's a consequence of Ryan's addiction. And until he's able to pass a drug test or have their training order dropped or, like, really prove that he's sober, like, that's never going to happen. He spent 10 years fucking up. He doesn't get to just, like, turn around and be like, Okay, well, now I'm going to be the father figure. I understand why he was hurt by Macy saying that Bentley and that he was more like Bentley's uncle, but it's also a true statement. Um, I think Ryan has a lot of issues, and Mackenzie too has a lot of issues with Macy saying the truth. Uh, I think they're right when they say, like, Mackenzie talks a lot of shit. Like, Mackenzie talks, or excuse me, Macy talks a lot of shit. She does. Like, that's a fact. But The other fact is that the shit she talks is true. (laughs) Like, just because you're talking shit doesn't mean it's not true. And the shit Macy talks about Ryan is true. Um, I, I don't know. I, do I think Ryan's sober? No? I, I don't think so. I don't know. What does sober mean? This is another thing. Like, when they say Ryan's sober, Ryan's not sober, like, What does that mean, you know? Are they saying, like, Ryan is not on opiates, but he drinks and smokes pot? Does it mean Ryan is completely abstinent? Does it mean... You know what I mean? So, like, what do I... I think that Ryan is hopefully not using heroin. Maybe he's on Suboxone maintenance. Um possibly even on methadone, although I doubt it. It's just not that common to be on methadone anymore. It's, it's just not, um, not that many people are on methadone. Suboxone is a much easier maintenance program to be on. It's just, you get a whole script of it. You don't have to go to a clinic every day. It's easier to get off eventually. Uh, it's, Actually, I don't know the price, but, I like, I know the price of Suboxone. I don't know the price of Methadone. I was going to say Suboxone ch- ch- probably cheaper, but I actually have no idea. Um You don't have to pass. Well, some doctors you do. It's just basically it's easier to be on Suboxone than it is to be on Methadone. So there just are not that many people on Methadone maintenance anymore. Uh it's So, like, would I believe Ryan's on Suboxone and drinking and smoking weed? Like, yeah, I would absolutely believe that. Does that mean he's not in recovery? Like... Phew. I'm trying really hard not to judge um, people's use of the word recovery anymore and understand that, like, we all walk our own journeys and that sober and recovery can mean different things for different people. But, like, does Ryan's recovery or sobriety look like my recovery and sobriety? Like, no, absolutely not. Does that mean that, like, that does everybody's recovery and sobriety have to look like mine? Like, no, of course not. Do I think Ryan is making strides in his life for the positive, which is how I would define recovery, I guess. Like, how I would define recovery for somebody who is not uh, practicing abstinence would be, like, they're not using their drug of choice and they're making positive strides in their lives to be better people, to be productive members of society, Um, and just, like, to overall live a completely different lifestyle than they lived when they were abusing their drug of choice. Um, and do I believe that applies to Ryan? Like, no, I don't believe that applies to Ryan at all. And I don't blame Macy at all for not trusting that he's made any sort of change and not wanting to lift the restraining order. I think that's it for what I want to talk about. Oh, oh, okay. So then McKen- not then, but Mackenzie McKee and Angie and Mackenzie's dad and, I guess Josh was there. I don't remember. Was Josh there? Uh, If Josh was there, he didn't say a fucking word. Uh, Come out. And can we just discuss that, like, Drew went 10 times harder at Mackenzie McKee for the way she's dealing with her mom's cancer than he did at Amber? Like, that's wild. Like, Angie is literally talking about how she will be dead in a mere months. And Dr. Drew turns to Mackenzie and goes, you're disassociating right now. You, you know what? You're not dealing with this. You're disassociating with this, right? You're just totally disassociating. You need to deal with this. And I'm like, dude, her fucking mom is about to die. Like, lay off of her. It was so bizarre. Okay, Dr. Drew has always gone after the weakest links, right? Always. He, that's, I think that's why he, like, has such a soft spot for Ryan and Amber. But he'll always push at the people he can. And as we all know, Mackenzie's The weakest link. Mackenzie McKee is obviously the weakest link everywhere, always. And I think it's like Dr. Drew sees something in her that's very easy to push and he knows that she won't snap back. Here's my thing I'm really ready for them to get rid of Dr. Drew at these reunions. Um, I mean, I guess Nessa could do it. I don't know. Bring someone know. I think the biggest issue with Dr. Drew is that because they brought him in for a reason, right? They brought him in because sixteen Pregnant was kind of a controversial show. Like, you're glamorizing this show. And so they're like, no, 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 look, we're having a reunion. We're having Dr. Drew. And he's gonna, like, ask the tough questions and give facts. And, like, it'll be great. We're legitimate. And so now Drew's just, like, stuck around. And as discussed, like, Dr. Drew doesn't watch the show. He doesn't keep up with these girls outside of his, like, personal relationships he has with them you know the clips that he watches the questions MTV asks them to gives them to ask and then his like actual relationships that he's made with them over the years but he doesn't follow their social medias he doesn't see like I know way more about these girls than Dr. Drew does right so Dr. Drew knows who he can push and who won't walk off the stage and Mackenzie McKee is one of them. My thing is, it's like, just get rid of Dr. Drew. Like, if you only want the softball questions to be asked, you don't want the girls to ever walk off the stage, you don't care to, like, get deep in the seasons, like, what actually happened in both sides, et cetera, et cetera. Like, just do what Team Mom Young and Pregnant did and get fucking Angela Simmons, which is such a random choice, by the way. Um, But just get somebody like Angela Simmons to come in, or Nessa, or whatever, and ask these softball questions, and then, like, we're not expecting, like, when Dr. Drew doesn't push back against, like, crazy shit they say, like, we all have an understanding that Dr. Drew is a pretty intelligent person who knows his shit, knows what he's talking about, um, like, understands domestic violence and drug addiction, and all of these topics because we heard him on Love Line, We've listened to his podcast. We saw him on Celebrity Rehab. And we know in general, like, he knows what he's talking about. So when we see him on this show, it's, like, fucking infuriating. It's infuriating because it's, like, why aren't you asking the question that we know that you are thinking in your head and that if you were in any other situation, you would be asking. And I feel like if they got rid of Dr. Drew, like, I could watch Nessa softball them a lot easier because, like, Nessa doesn't have well, I mean, I for some things I would expect Nessa to push harder against just because of her social justice background. But like Nessa, as far as I know, like isn't an addiction specialist. So like when she's you know if she like let Ryan say some bullshit or Amber say some bullshit and she doesn't push back, it's like yeah okay, it's Nessa that's fine. But when Doctor Drew does it, it's like you want to throw your fucking TV out the window because it's just. You just expect more of him, even though we've been doing this for 10 years now. And we're, you know, okay, by the way, guys, I'm fucking obsessed with TikTok. Okay, don't ask me how I got here, but I'm here. I love watching TikTok videos. And there's this one, if you don't know what TikTok is, it's an app. um, It used to be called Musical.ly, now it's called TikTok. And it's an app where you can, teens, essentially, just like make videos of themselves like short videos they are all under I think 45 I think the longest ones are like 45 seconds and they all kind of like recreate the same like eight videos and one of the eight videos is a girl will be telling a story and as she's telling this story she will be drawing clown makeup on her face and at the end like at the end of the story she's basically calling herself a clown for being so fucking stupid Um, And this is me, this is my version of being a clown, is watching this fucking show year after year and still getting annoyed that Dr. Drew doesn't know how to ask a fucking question. (laughs) This is me drawing clown makeup on my face when I'm saying like, Dr. Drew, why aren't you asking the right questions? Like, because he's never going to ask the right questions, Liz. It's never going to happen. That's what this fucking show is now. And I'm always telling people, like, don't get your hopes up. I mean, I know I've, like, literally titled episodes, like, Dr. Drew doesn't ask hard questions. (laughs) This is not the Real Housewives. It's not Andy Cohen. (laughs) Like, it's never going to be that. And yet, each year, I'm infuriated. (laughs) I'm the clown, is what I'm saying. I have some ideas to make TikTok videos, but I can't bring myself to actually, like, figure out how to do that. Um, Well, I have one idea to make one TikTok video, but now I have two ideas to make two TikTok videos. And one of them is based on Dr. Drew being a terrible interviewer on Teen Mom Reunions and me still expecting him not to be after 10 years of disappointment, frustration, and anger. So, yeah, Dr. Drew was just, like, awful to Mackenzie McKee. He literally accused her of disassociating from the situation when her mom was talking about how she would be dead shortly. It's just, it's just really awful. Okay, I think that was all that happened in the first episode. As I said, I can't really remember. So, I'm just going to talk about the things I took notes on. Why did I only take notes on one of these reunion episodes? I don't know. Because I didn't feel like taking notes on two reunion episodes in one week. Because my back really hurts. (laughs) Because I had a fucking mental breakdown this week. (laughs) This podcast is deteriorating. (laughs) You know what? You know what? The listeners version and the listeners, I mean, like you, the people who are listening to this episode, is if you expect me to take notes on both the reunion episodes, like baby girl, just start drawing that clown makeup on your face. Okay, so it starts out with Macy, Jen, and Larry on the couch, and uh, Drew says that Macy has trouble separating Ryan from his addiction, and it's like, yeah. First of all, like, I think that's a very bizarre phrase. I don't really know what that means. Like, oh, well, that's not Ryan. That's his addiction. Like, no, it's Ryan. (laughs) Like, Ryan's addiction is causing him to have certain behaviors, but it's still... Ryan, and now sober, can't get into that again, guys. We're just going to say sober Ryan, but you all know what I mean, and I just talked about it eight minutes ago. But now sober Ryan is, like, this completely different entity from addict Ryan? Like, no. Also, it's, like, kind of, at least contrary to my understanding of the 12 steps of which Dr. Drew is a heavy advocate, um, it's weird that he's like, well, you know, you need to separate Ryan from his addiction. But, like, not really. Like, everything I did in my addiction was still me. It was still my behavior. And now sober Liz is every day of her life trying to prove that she's a different person. Well, no, that she can behave in a different way than addict Liz did. And it wasn't really my, like, I don't know how to explain this but I think it's like I've also been dealing with this with Caroline Calloway this week and like my addiction definitely made me do bad things but it was still me doing it so anybody that was harmed as a result of my addiction it they shouldn't have to look at it is like well that was Liz who was an addict and that doesn't count and sober Liz like doesn't have to Like, that's totally different from sober Liz. Like, nah, I still did that shit. Like, I, like, that shit was fucked up, and you don't need to separate me from that. Like, I take full ownership and responsibility, and it's funny because somebody who listens to this podcast, like, actually, I guess multiple people, but somebody (laughs) that listens to this podcast, um, like, I made an amends to right away, like, they weren't into it. And they were, like, the one person that, like, wasn't that into it. And I remember being, like, so mad at first because I was, like, how dare she not accept my amends? Like, how dare she? But the reality was is, like, just because I was sober and I was making amends, like, doesn't mean that, like, me being a fucking terrible friend to her uh, towards the end of my addiction, like... Was just a race, like it was still a thing. And at that time, like she wasn't interested in being my friend. And now we've moved on from that, and it's great and wonderful. And I love you. Uh, I'll actually see you next week. But it, it's just like I don't know how I got here, but I just think it's so weird this idea that like we should separate the person from their addiction, because to me that's like very opposite <laughs> of the 12 steps and the principles behind the 12 steps at least in my opinion um, and I would never separate myself from my addiction I can definitely say my behavior was influenced and happened because of my addiction but that doesn't like mean that then I get to be like oh well don't be mad at me or I don't know I'm ranting a little and I'm I've I'm not exactly sure how to explain this, but I just think it takes accountability away when Dr. Drew's like, well, you need to separate Ryan from his addiction. I think what would be better would be to say, like, well, now you need to, well, not need, but now I hope you would be willing to let sober Ryan prove that he can behave in a different way than he did when he was in active addiction. Like, I think that... Because amends are not about making, like, about saying sorry and actually you're, like, not supposed to say sorry because the idea is who you're drinking and using. You said sorry, 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 sorry over and over again. And amends are supposed to be, like, actions and tangible steps that you're taking. And I think that, like, saying, like, well, you're not separating Ryan from his addiction, like, goes against the idea that, Uh, sober Ryan and addict Ryan are one person, but addict Ryan behaved in a really, really bad way. And sober Ryan is going to take steps every single day to prove to himself and to the people around him that he no longer is going to behave like addict Ryan. I've gotten really in the weeds here. I'm, I don't know where I am. Um, Jen says that Ryan gets frustrated with Macy. Oh no, with Jen because he thinks she only wants to see Bentley for her and not for Ryan. And Jen cries little because she's like, literally every fucking thing that I do is so that Ryan can be a dad to Bentley. And yeah, I think that that, I think that Ryan, I can understand from where Ryan's sitting that he feels that way about Jen. But I think that also just shows still his lack of maturity and Uh, if Ryan had any sort of of meaningful recovery, had any sort of meaningful therapy, had any sort of meaningful growth, would be looking at Jen from a place of gratitude and realize that essentially the only reason he has any sort of relationship with his son, even if it's an uncle-nephew relationship, is because of his mom. Um, And the fact that he you know, isn't coming from a place of gratitude yet and is still coming from a place of anger and frustration just shows that he is still not doing very well. So uh, Larry says that Ryan feels like Macy kind of goes behind his back and that he's resentful of Jen and Macy being so close. Once again, understandable, but shows a lack of maturity and understanding and gratitude. Um, Jen says that she wouldn't let Ryan take Bentley for a while because she knew it was a bad idea. And, uh, Macy says, like, or Nessa brings up the uncle thing and Macy says, well, it was his addiction. Like, that's why. Um, I think Macy is in a weird position sitting on this couch. (laughs) It was pretty uncomfortable. It kind of seemed like, um, she really didn't want to upset Jen and Larry. I think her, Jen, and Larry are in a good place right now. And, you know, she had already said, like, her and Taylor had already straight up said, like, we're not lifting the restraining order. So I think that she kind of, like, just didn't know what to say. I did appreciate that Larry said, like, um, so Larry was kind of, pl- like, standing up for Ryan, but I thought in a pretty diplomatic way. He said, you know, Ryan really feels like he can't get on with fathering until he and Macy can sit down and work this out. But if that means that that can't happen till next year, then that can't happen till next year. So I thought that was kind of a pretty good position to take in that he was validating how Ryan felt, even though I don't really believe that Ryan deserves to be validated there. But also, like, understanding Macy's side and having respect for Macy's side that she was not going to lift the restraining order and that was okay. And Macy stood up for herself here and I was pleased. And she said, I don't really understand why, like, Ryan needs to talk to me. <laughs> I don't understand how, like, she said, I'm confused as to how I, I'm i preventing them from having a deeper relationship. And they say, well, you know, he can't leave the house with Bentley. And Mace, this is when Macy says, like, well, yes, he can if he passes the drug test. And that, you know, they run right past that. Um, Jen says that he, Ryan wants to make amends to Macy. And I'm, of course, 100% on Macy's side here. Like, Ryan, Jen and Larry are with Bentley every other weekend, right? So Ryan could be there every other weekend showing up, just being there, forming a deeper relationship, just spending the time to have a deeper relationship. That's the only way he and Bentley are going to have a deeper relationship is if he puts in the time. Um, and making amends. to Macy should be pretty low on his list, in my opinion. Um, That's not true. I don't mean it like that. I think that making a formal talking amends to Macy should be low on his list. I, if I was Ryan's sponsor, (laughs) if Ryan was working the 12 steps and he asked me to sponsor him and I was a man, so I would sponsor him, I think that I would have Macy, um, be one of the last people that he makes amends to. Well, first of all, I would absolutely require that he not try to make amends to her until the restraining order was lifted. And then once it was, like my advice would be respect the restraining order, do not ask to speak to her beforehand, do not ask for it to be lifted, and spend this year making what we would call living amends to Macy. I think Jen, Larry, Bentley, Mackenzie, and Macy, and Jagger, of course, and the new little baby, whatever they call her, um, deserve Ryan's living amends most, which means, like, actions that you take every moment of every day to prove that you're a better person, that you want to be there, and basically just, like, showing people that you can show up and be present and be a part of their lives, and I think if I was Ryan's sponsor, I would explain to him that it seems like you have never shown to Macy that you can be a father and that it's pretty obvious that that's what Macy wants. And if you spend the next year, like, showing up every single time you have visitation, actively talking to Bentley on the phone as often as possible, actively including Bentley in everything, going to every game, et cetera, et cetera, like, then when you make formal amends, it will have a lot more weight to it. Because that's clearly what Macy's asking from you and has been asking for you Bentley's entire life. Um, and Macy basically says that because uh, Drew's like, well, what would you need to hear from her or from him? And Macy's like, I don't need to hear shit from him. <laughs> Macy's like, can you just make all I want is for him to just be a father. <laughs> so, yeah, Ryan, listen to this and um, let me know. Let me know if you think that's a good idea. Okay, so Cheyenne and Corey came out with Matt and Taylor, and the only thing interesting was that Corey is awful. He refused to say I love you to Taylor. He says, well, what does being in love even mean? And Taylor looked really pathetic and sad because she's like, no, no, no. I know Corey loves me. We're just bad at feelings. And I'm like, Taylor, you are too pretty for a guy that will not tell you he loves you that's it oh I did think that um this was interesting Dr. Drew asked uh, Cheyenne if she was on birth control and Cheyenne and Matt were like "Ah!" and I was like oh my god they're so disconnected from like teen mom because this is such a normal conversation for teen mom but it's so it seems so weird for Drew to ask that um I don't know why but there's something very different from Dr. Drew asking teenagers if they're on birth control than fucking full-grown adults like Matt and Cheyenne. It's just weird. (laughs) Okay, so Caitlin and Tyler come out. Kim is there. Kim says she was nervous to see Carly, but it was really great. Um, Amber comes out. Her sobriety date is May 10th, 2018. By the way, mine is May 8th, so Amber and I are very close in dates, Uh, Amber seems great. I'm really proud of her. I, I don't know if people who aren't in the rooms would, like, get or appreciate this, but Amber, like, has the vocab down. And I know that doesn't always mean that, you know, a person's doing well or they're, like, they're actually, like, walking the walk behind the talk. But, like, Amber very much speaks like a person that's actively working a program and is in recovery and is trying really hard. Um... You know, Drew asks, like, how do you stay, like, what are you doing to stay sober? And Amber had a great answer, which she was like, you know, I embrace the principles and I do the next right thing, which is, it's not a test, but that's exactly the right answer. (laughs) And it's funny because that's actually like the right answer for you talking to other people in recovery. And I understand what Drew was trying to ask because he's like, well, you're going to meetings, you have a sponsor and you have sponsees and stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, she's right. Like, the way that you stay sober is that you embrace the principles of AA or I think she goes to NA, actually. I think she posted a coin. Um, You embrace the principles of the 12 step, uh, the 12 steps, and uh, you do the next right thing. Like, that is really actually the most basic, basic, although I don't know if they say this in NA, so I don't know if she would know this. I mean, I think they do. It's clean house, help God, clean house, find God, help others is like. The most baseline way to explain like how you stay sober. Let's say it one more time: clean house, find God, help others. But uh, Amber saying like embracing the principle and, and print the principles and doing the next right thing is like re- it was really a perfect answer when she said that. I was like, oh, okay. Amber's working a program. Shit. I believe Amber also works in a rehab as um they call them different things different places, but probably what they would call behavioral tech, which means you kind of are like a camp counselor. You know, you're not like a re, you're not a counselor. Um, you're not a therapist, but because people are there in rehab all day, every day they live there, there are staff members that are usually in sobriety themselves, not always, but usually. And they basically, sometimes they lead groups, but usually they're in charge of just, like, making sure everyone's following the rules and doing, you know, not fucking when they're supposed to be at a class or whatever. Like I said, a camp counselor. And so she's probably very, very uh, immersed in recovery. So she... I guess her focus now on getting her is on getting her kids back who live in Michigan with their father. She's in Texas. She has her own apartment, her own car, her own job. And she basically explains like, well, I have a better relationship with them now living in Texas than I did before. Um, they talk about Kim being mad about Butch for missing Veda's birth. And Kim said like... She wasn't sure why it set her off so bad, but she had felt like for years and years she had just been defending Butch and defending Butch. And it was just so outrageous that he blew them off that she just lost it. And I guess around that time, Butch's ex-girlfriend, who we saw last season on the show, had been, like, attacking Amber via text and just saying crazy shit to her. So it was, like, a lot of stuff blowing up at once. Um... Amber says she has no relac- relationship with Butch. And she said that her boyfriend said to her, like, your dad just doesn't want you in his life. And once again, Drew says, "No, well, that's with the drugs. And Amber's like, no, like, he doesn't want to be in my life. Like, even when he was sober, like he I would try and make time for him and he didn't want to have time for me. I thought Amber was coming from a really healthy place When she said that, she was like, look, he just doesn't really want a relationship with me. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Not like that makes sense that Butch doesn't want a relationship with her, but that she's like, that that is the truth and that she's accepted that, that drunk, sober, high, not that Butch isn't interested in like having a deep relationship with Amber. So Butch comes out and this was kind of wild. I feel like we haven't seen him like this. In quite a while, I can't rem- I don't think he was even at the early seasons reunions because he would usually be in jail by the time they happened, but usually he would come out and if, even if he wasn't sober, he would keep his head down. He wouldn't fight back. He'd be talking about how he wants to get sober, how, you know, he was just always very like apologetic and he came, he was angry this time. Uh, drew right away is like, so what's your sober date? And he's like, no, I relapsed. <laughs> and says that he's been doing, co or he was doing co- cocaine, marijuana, and booze. Um, he said he did the marijuana maintenance for, like, six weeks, and then he got bored with it, and so he stopped. And then he said he went to Florida with this crazy lady I was with, and then they all kind of start fighting. And I was so mad because Drew, like, changes the subject. I'm like, what happened in Florida? <laughs> I want to know what happened in Florida, but basically, Butch says that Amber was saying crazy things to the late, like to his ex. Um, and Kim is like, yeah, but that's your daughter. Like, why are you choosing this woman's side over your daughter? And Butch yells back, like, I didn't choose a woman over my daughter. Um, and he's like, when you guys start getting in with my involved with my female relationships, that's when things are fucked up. He was like, Butch was on one. Um, Amber says that Butch makes her feel like shit which made me sad. And Butch says, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And Amber's like, no, you aren't. And this is like, I think Amber looking back will regret that she said that. I think that she, Amber probably needs to learn that if she is going to talk with Butch, then she kind of just needs to let him say the things that he's going to say and that she shouldn't interject with like, no, you're not sorry that I feel this way, even if it's the truth because it's just not productive and it leads to, like, an escalating place. And I think she realized that towards the end when she's like, why am I getting, she even says, like, I'm done getting mad about this. Like, what am I doing? Guys, basically I'm all in on Amber Baltira, and I'll be so fucking sad if she relapses, even though she absolutely could. Relapse is a part of many people's recovery. I, It's fine. It's not fine if she does, but, like, I, I'm just, like, all, I'm just so hardcore Team Amber Baltierra now, and I'm so on her side, and, like, I just can't fully describe it, but if there are other people in the rooms who listen to this podcast, like, let me know. You can even DM me if you don't want to, like, out yourself on the comments, but, like, let me know if you agree with what I'm saying and that she just feels so authentically sober and so authentically working a program and so authentically, like, in recovery in a way that we've literally never seen on this show ever. Like, she is the first person in the 10 years of Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2 and Teen Mom 3 who, like, has actually gotten sober in the rooms and you can tell and you can see what a difference it's made. And, like, obviously she's not perfect, but, like, She talks the talk and seems to walk the walk. And there's just something, for me at least, very appealing about that. Because I can really, like when she was talking, I could like imagine her speaking in a meeting, basically. So I think that she shouldn't have said to Butch, like, you're not sorry. But I understand why she was worked up. And Butch starts yelling like, so now you're going to tell me how you feel? What do you, you think you're God? You think you know how I feel? You think you can tell? And Tyler starts to cry, which is sad. Tyler says like usually he just gets angry. Well, doctor's like see that's empathy, Tyler. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of weird because I don't think Tyler's ever had a problem with empathy actually. I mean, he's not always the most empathetic person, but it's I would say like someone like Ryan has a problem with empathy, but Tyler doesn't. Um Tyler says that like, you know, Usually he likes to be angry at Butch because it's easier, but this really hurts. Butch starts crying. Kim is crying. Uh, Caitlin asks Butch if he's working any type of program. And he says, Butch says he goes on Mondays. <laughs> and that he calls a sponsor, but he isn't sure if he wants a sponsor. And then we somehow got to the fact that I guess Amber was like making fun of Butch was, like, making fun of Amber for being happy that she got a year. And he was, like, well, why would you post your coin? Like, that's stupid. Like, who cares about a year? And then Tyler's crying again and, like, looks at Amber and he's, like, I'm so proud. Because Amber's, like, fuck you. Like, I'm proud of myself. And Tyler's, like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And then they get to this place where Tyler says that he thinks Butch wants to be sober, and Tyler's like, I will never, ever give up on you, no matter what. And Dr. Drew is like, Al-Anon, go to (laughs) Al-Anon. Which, you know, Drew's been begging Caitlin and Tyler to go to Al-Anon for years and years and years and years, but actually, like, I think Tyler would love Al-Anon. I think he would actually, like, do really well in Al-Anon and be, like, quite popular in Al-Anon. I'm not really sure how to explain this, but I think... I think Tyler would really like it, and he really should go. Um, But Tyler's like, I'm never going to give up on you. And Dr. Drew's like, well, that's not really right. And Amber's like, yeah, you need to stop enabling him because, you know, they say, like, well, Butch is going to meet Veda as soon as it's possible. And Amber's like, I don't really understand, like, you're enabling him. Like, if you want, like... Butch should have to have like three months sober before he can meet Veda. And Butch is like, Butch is like, you're putting conditions on this? He's like, Tyler kills it with kind kills me with kindness. You put conditions on it. You put conditions on it. And Amber's like, no, like if my kids had conditions for me to see them, like I would follow through with them. Amber wasn't saying, like, get sober f- to see Veda. What she was saying is that Tyler should have boundaries and Like, there should be consequences for Butch's behavior and he shouldn't be able to fuck up and do whatever he wants and then, like, come back and be part of Ada's life. Uh, So it was a fucking mess. Like, that was like an old school reunion scene, it felt like. I don't know. That was just like a mess. Like, Butch was on one. He was probably high on cocaine, as he says it, uh, in that scene. So, yeah, that was a mess, but I'm proud of Amber. Amber. Okay, then Gary and Christina come back out, and Gary says that he doesn't know what's true or not true. And Christina's like, well, everything seemed perfect. And Gary interjects, yeah, but we still don't know how it started. Always, always, Amber gets more benefit of the doubt than anyone. Ever. Um... Drew actually asks a fucking interesting question for once, basically saying, like, Gary, how, you know, this has happened to you. Like, how does this impact you? And Gary's like, well, you know, with Leah, and Gary's like, no, no, or Drew's like, no, no, but, like, you. Basically, he's trying to ask, like, does this bring up memories, like, PTSD from you being an abuse victim? But Gary, I don't think Gary, like, goes there. At least he doesn't, like, consciously go there. So, Gary says he's worried about her as a friend. You know, last year he's worried Amber was suicidal. And he's just not sure about, like, what's true, what's not, what they need to do for her. So, they talk about Leah and her panicking. And Gary says, like, I don't know, they kind of, Gary kind of pussyfoots around He's like, well, you know, she's like, wasn't really having as many panic attacks as she said. And they were an isolated incident. Uh, apparently they had her in therapy in the past, but now they don't anymore, but they're open to it. Christina, I, it's obvious that Christina doesn't want to like, I think Christina is a hard position because she isn't Leah's mom and doesn't want to overstep what Gary says. And I think, I think it must be hard because I would imagine Christina actually is like in charge of raising Leah, but then Gary puts his foot down and gets final say on everything. But Christina wants her to be evaluated by their like their family doctor. And Gary understandably says that he's worried that people are tracing a line from Leah to her mom, which I get, honestly, I get that. Um, but you can't like you, Pull her off the show then or don't talk about her on the show. You know what I mean? Like you can't not get your daughter help because you're scared of what people say online. Oh, that's why you should cancel the show, Teen Mom. (laughs) And then we go to our interview with Amber. So we get like the flashback, you know, and the first thing Amber says is a text message, by the way. I just want to point that out to everyone, by the way. First of all, the whole reason that they like invented text messaging 911 is because like victims of violence are often in a position where they cannot call 911 without enraging their abuser further. It's like extremely beneficial for domestic violence victims to be able to text 911. It's like an incredible invention. We should have it nationwide. It's, I mean, being able to text 911 is actually everything. (laughs) There are so many situations in which it's extremely unsafe for a person to call 911, but they still need emergency services. So for Amber to start out of the gate, trashing 911 or texting 911, and then Dr. Drew to fucking agree with her. Drew goes, I know, right? Like, who did even text? And Amber's like, I don't know, you can, like, text the patrol, but, like, if someone was coming for me with a machete, wouldn't you think, like, you'd call 911 and then run out of the house? And Dr. Drew goes, you think if you'd be being attack, you'd want the 911 operator to hear your voice? Why? For what? If you text, I'm going to be murdered, like, why would you need the 911 operator to hear your voice? It's the same fucking thing to text them. Oh, I'm getting heated. <laughs> Ay <laughs> ay 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 ay. Um Drew is like, "So, is this all fiction?" <laughs> and Amber says there's some narcissism here that I can't comprehend at the moment. And then she says, "If it takes less than 2 weeks for a woman to come to Indiana, that's what I'm saying. I've already talked to her. She's a good person. She's very nice. She's very sweet. And I'm assuming that's why Andrew Leaked the screenshots this week because he's like, I didn't have a fucking woman come out here. Um, Drew asks, and Drew asks if Andrew's trying to cut her out of her life, out of his life, and it's like, there's a no contact order, Doctor Drew. Um, basically, Doctor Drew is like pushing her to tell the story. Now, I understand why Doctor Drew is agreeing with her, like. I logically understand. And he's trying to get Amber to tell her story and basically manipulate her into telling her story. And he knows Amber shuts down like so quickly. At the moment, Amber feels like you're not 100% on her side. She just like completely shuts down. And Drew knows that. So he like treads so lightly with her. But him fully agreeing with her is insane. Here's okay. If they had done this interview, I would still be like, what the fuck? But the fact that they did not give Andrew a separate interview, sit down interview with Dr. Drew, so he could tell his side. No, I don't. I was gonna say I don't know if Andrew's offered it, but I feel like he wasn't because of the amount he's talking right now. It seems hard for me to believe that he wouldn't have agreed to a Dr. Drew interview, but. It's one thing for Dr. Drew to kind of agree and like manipulate her via agreement, uh and make it so she doesn't shut down. If then they also gave Andrew a chance to tell his story, but the fact that they didn't and like presented this one thing as the story is honestly dangerous. It's really upsetting that they didn't talk at all about domestic violence is really crazy. Oh, I forgot to mention that Gary did say that like when they talked about when Andrew Amber hit him on camera and he's like, well, you know, it wasn't the first time. And like, I was worried about what would happen to her because, you know, the cameras caught it. But basically, like, as I'm sure we all knew, like he had she had been hitting Gary before it happened on camera. And um, Amber is like, well, I want to tell my story, but like, I don't know what I can tell and I need to talk to like I don't know what I can say, like I need to talk to my lawyers. And a producer comes on, like in frame, but we don't hear what she says. And I'm assuming she says like, okay, just say whatever you're comfortable with. Um I would imagine says like you don't have to say anything about that night. So Drew's like, okay, okay, we don't have to we don't have to talk about it. And he's like, you know, I told everyone in New York how much I loved and supported you and miss you. And she's like, mm-hmm, I know. Because remember, MTV is presenting United Force behind Amber, even though she attacked her boyfriend with a machete. <laughs> I, it's it's literally insane. Um, they pivot to talking about Leah having anxiety. Amber says she was devastated because hers started when she was around nine. And she just really wants... Uh, Amber, she really wants Gary and Christina and her to all be on the same page about getting Leah help. So Drew kind of asks again about what happened that night and Amber sighs. And she's like, I just really can't. I really need some insur- assurance for my attorneys. And it's like, this doesn't really make Amber look innocent. <laughs> you would think, okay, first of all, it's actually insane that Amber's attorneys let her go on this at all. It's insane that they were not present for this interview directly off camera. You think that they would be standing there directly off camera telling her what she kind can of cannot say. What really should have happened was they should have said that she um, wasn't going to do the interview and released a written statement about it that was written by her attorneys. Uh, but Amber being like, I don't know what I can talk about. Like, you would think if she was categorically denying anything happened at all, she would say this is absolutely untrue. There was absolutely no physical or even uh, verbal assault that happened. And I strongly believe I'm going to be exonerated in court. But she didn't say that. She's like, oh, I just don't know what I can talk about. yeah, 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 yay, So Amber says she wants her story out there, but she needs to talk to her lawyers. And it's like, okay, but why didn't you like talk to your lawyers before you sat down for a national televised interview? and drew keeps pushing that he wants her to tell her size and then Amber says something truly fucking insane and she's like well you know she's like i opted out of drug court a long time ago to put myself in prison so why would i jeopardize you know you haven't heard shit about me since then haven't gotten in trouble one time and all of a sudden i'm running after my kid with a machete you're insane um excuse me amber (laughs) Like, we have watched in the last 10 years, you try and beat up Farah, you try and beat up Matt, you lose your fucking mind on marriage boot camp. The lack of self-awareness Amber has, she said on her Instagram live today that she was so hurt that anybody could even believe that she would do those things. And it's like, we all believe because we watch you. It's just like, Amber's, the only reason Amber hasn't gotten in trouble in the last 10 years is because her and Matt weren't calling the police on each other. Oh, Jesus Christ, this is so toxic. It's so unwell. Oh, it's just so not right. Um, Doctor True was like, "Well, I love you. I appreciate you. Your fans appreciate you." And Amber's like, "I love my fans so much." <laughs> and then it ends with a truly wild message across the screen, which says, after this interview was recorded, Amber and Andrew's legal teams began working towards a resolution. We look forward to hearing from Amber and Andrew in the near future. What? That makes it seem like they're dropping the charges and that Amber and Andrew are getting back together. Did Andrew approve that statement? Guys, this is like probably one of the most toxic things I've ever seen on Teen Mom. And that's saying a lot. Like that interview was so bad and that Andrew didn't get to tell his side of the story is so fucking wrong. (sighs) Yeah, it's too much. It's so bad. Um, Yeah, that's really all I have. I think Teen Mom 2 comes back on Tuesday. I'm not really looking forward to it. I guess it'll be interesting to see Jade. Um, It seems like Chelsea might get a bad at it this season. And by bad, I mean like they're going to show her anxiety, which like, cool, that's fun. But I'm not really looking that much forward to Teen Mom 2 because Teen Mom 2 isn't that good either. But I I am interested in seeing Jade. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Who else is on the show? Oh my God, I forgot to talk about the fact that Leah's sister Oreo is pregnant by a guy that she met in Costa Rica. She fucked a raft instructor. Why? She was still married. And now they're fully embracing it. Get Oreo a 90 day fiance. <laughs> Leah even made a post today that was like, Well, and you had a little too much fun in Costa Rica. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> and apparently, we're going to see it all in Team Mom, too. Thank God. All right, that's it for this week. Bye, guys. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive Producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsycho. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? Thankfully, with Keeps.com slash nerds, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. Keeps treatment starts at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. So, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, just go to Keeps.com slash nerds. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash nerds. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Sleep struggles, reassurance, and major fears. There is a reason why I name my show the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. My name is Natasha Daniels, and I'm an anxiety and OCD therapist. I'm also the mom to three kids with anxiety and OCD. Trust me, the irony is not lost on me. Join me every Tuesday as I give parents a real and raw view of what works and what doesn't from a therapist and a mom's point of view. Subscribe to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST is home to the biggest podcasts from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.